Welcome to Connection Church's podcast. This week, guest speaker Joey Fennell kicks off a new series entitled On the Rocks. In this series, we'll be looking at why so many relationships and marriages are on the rocks and how we can begin effectively allowing Jesus to become the rock on which we build that relationship. This week, Joey talks about communication and how not everything is interpreted the same way. Good morning. I'm not Brandon. <laughs> 50 people saw the microphone on my ear and walked out. I don't know what that meant, but anyway, for those of you who are left, um, my name's Joey Fennell. I have a private counseling practice here in town. Um, was in youth ministry for about 13 years. Uh, got saved by the blood of Jesus and left the church for a little while. Um, just kidding. Um, uh, God's really moved in our family's life and, and in the last few years, and, and we are thankful that um, he has placed us here at this time and in a wonderful place to be able to do ministry. And um, I think today's going to be a, a good day. It was good at 9 o'clock, so, you know, hang on and just lie to me if it's not, and uh, we'll have a good time together. But this is going to be a little bit different, um, a little unorthodox, which is a lot like every week, you know, when Brandon's preaching, but it's... Um, kind of seminar sermon type of thing all at the same time. And um, we're going to be talking about a, a really important part of relationships. And I think it's uh, kind of the, the ground, you know, since this is the first week, it's really the starting point for us to get on the same page with each other. So I'm going to ask a question just to see what your thoughts are on what is the number one reason for the divorce in the United States? Financial, what else? Education. I think marriage is the number one reason for divorce um, in the United States. But yes, communication, or I like to use the term unhealthy communication, because no matter what is going on, no matter what we are doing, we are always communicating. If it's a slam door, if it's a gesture of the hand, if it's something that's not even verbal, we are always communicating with each other. And we do this in our marriages. And as Brandon said earlier, we do it in all relationships that we have. So this seminar sermon, sermon is for everybody, okay? This is for everybody. Those of you who are in relationships or going to be in relationships, who are walking away from relationships, who need to walk away from relationships, it is for all of us because we use this and everything because we communicate with everybody. And communication does break down from time to time. Um, what happens in that is we've got a picture of a tent um, that I want to show you. And it's awesome because I use this illustration in my office all the time. And I always there are always two tents. And so we've got two screens. It's just like heaven. This is perfect, all right? So we got his tent and we got her tent, all right? And this is how marriages go a lot of times. Three or four years into the marriages, we have settled into our own tent. And for us guys, we love our tent. Man, it's nice. It's got a big old screen TV in that tent. It's got all this stuff, all the potato chips you can eat. It's got a nice little refrigerator with whatever your choice of beverages in it. And then our women, they have a tent too. It's really nice, plush. It's very comfortable. It's got other people to talk to. It's got um, all kind of things, lots of phone connections. It's got Facebook. It's got all the stuff in here that you need. But what we do in our marriages is we stay inside these tents. And every now and then we'll poke our head out, kind of test the air, and maybe, you know, lob a mortar over to the other tent every now and then. 
But we're so scared to come out of these tents because if we come out of these tents, we can become something that's called vulnerable, right? And if we're vulnerable, then we could get hurt. So it's so much easier just to stay in our tent and not be vulnerable. But without vulnerability, there's no intimacy. Without intimacy, there's really nothing other than having a roommate, right? So that's kind of where we start. But our communication breaks down all the time. When I was six years old, it was probably the first time that communication broke down and was reestablished all at the same time. My parents and I, we were out working in the yard. My sister, as normal, was not. She was inside. And we were doing our thing out there, and it started to get a little dark. And my dad said, Joey, you need to go inside and get a shower. And, you know, as an obedient child as I always was, I ran right inside and did what I was told. But I took a little shortcut, side note, and got inside. And my sister's in this little TV watching area, and we had this bookcase on the wall. And it had uh, books on each side of this cabinet in the middle where we had dishes that we never used that were in there. But on the, my mom was, a, you know, she loves to have sit-arounds everywhere. So on the top of this uh, bookcase was a, a glass pitcher on display, okay? Why you put pictures on display, I don't know. You're supposed to fill them up with stuff. But anyway, I weighed about eight pounds, and the pitcher weighed about 11 pounds. And I thought that I would be Spider-Man and show off for my sister. So... On the way to the shower, I decided to scale up this bookcase and said, hey, watch this. And I get the picture, and as gravity would have it, it went over my head and busted into a million pieces. Well, I thought out of sight, out of mind, for me, would be the best option. Go ahead and be obedient now and run to the bathroom and get in the shower. Well, I did that, but then I heard this noise that to this day still frightens me. We had a pocket door. Anybody have a pocket door growing up? The door that slides into the wall disappears. It's a really cool invention if you don't have room to swing your door open. So we had this pocket door, and I'm in the shower, and I'm, you know, unbeknownst to me, I'm thinking, oh, man, I'm glad I got in here because I'm safe in the shower. Well, this pocket door opened and closed about 30 times when my dad pulled it like this. It was like, fram, 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 fram. And I was just froze right there in the shower. And then the curtain comes open, and there I am, as you are in the shower. And my, all I remember is being grabbed and swinging back and forth as my dad would hit me every time I came back. And I just folded up in the fetal position in the shower and thought about, you know, communication just broke down here for me. And uh, no, I wasn't thinking that. I was, you know, crying like a six-year-old child. Um, but I learned at that point, looking back, that we all have unhealthy communication, and it starts really early, and it really doesn't change that much, does it? We still act the same way when we're told to do something or asked to do something in our marriages. A lot of times, we just get sidetracked. You know, amen from our males. All right, turn with me to James chapter 3. It's a familiar set of verses there, James chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. And James is talking about the power of the tongue. And he's talking about this cool um, set of circumstances that we get ourselves in, but how devastating it can be. So James chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know 
that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the, human, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear fruit figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Pray with me. God, we pray that your word will penetrate our hearts this day. We pray, God, that you'll speak to each one of us wherever we are, in a relationship, out of relationship, a marriage that is on the rocks, and a fruitful marriage. Uh, we can learn and be taught, and we pray that your word will speak to each one of us this day. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Now, I know we've all been had a wonderful weekend, all excited. We got winners at Statesboro High School, at ECI. We got winners at Georgia Southern, Georgia Tech even won. And Georgia didn't lose because they didn't play. So we are all happy. And we all got fired up about football. But I need us to be fired up about being here today and being involved in, in what we're going to do today. So I need your participation on some levels, okay? Thank you. So we all have these devices, don't we? I mean, everybody's got one. If I had a show of hands of everybody who has a cell phone, I bet we would be close to 100% in here. And all of you have one, and, and you have reached for it at least three times since you've been in here at 1045. I know you have, okay? And even last night, the Nutcracker, one of the announcements was, please do not text during the performance. It's the first time I've ever heard that. It's sad that we have to make that announcement at a performance not to text. So, same applies today, by the way. All right. As I will call on you. But we all have these devices. So two weeks ago, I'm in session with this teenage boy. And we're sitting there, and about every 10 seconds, maybe less than that, I hear zzz, zzz, zzz. He'd reach down, look at it. He'd reach down, look at it. I'm like, what are you doing? He said, I just, I got talking about four or five people. What? I finally said, you got to put that up, dude. Your parents are paying for this. If you want, I mean, if you want to text for, you know, $75 an hour, you're welcome to do so. But I'm not getting anything out of it here, okay? I said, how often do you text? He said, all day long. I said, how many a month? 31,000 texts last month. That's over 1,000 a day. I, I mean, he must be in the bathroom with it. He may have dinner with it. I mean, he is just all the time texting. I started thinking, 
that's not communication. That's texting. And we kind of lie to ourselves in the same way. And I hear people going, man, I've never been so connected to people as I am now with Facebook. Well, I don't want to step on your toes, but that is a lie from the pit of hell. Let me just go ahead and tell you that, okay? That's called a connection, not a relationship, all right? There's a big difference. And I give you that example because in Genesis chapter 1, God does not text us into existence. He doesn't get his iPhone out and go, whoop. Uh, app for creation. Hit that. I need some animals. Dial it up. No. What did God do? He spoke. And when God spoke into existence, things happened. Then, right around the corner from that, he created male and female. And in his what? Image, he created us. So I think that communication is extremely important to God. Well, nothing teaches us that men and women communicate differently than marriage, right? And when I die, if I die first, Lisa knows to put my Bible in my casket with me because I need it when I get to heaven to open it up to the list of questions I have in the back of it. And one of the questions is, why? Why did you create men and women so differently? Are you just having that much fun with it? I mean, what is the deal? You just sit up there and go, oh, this is going to be a real good one. Watch this, you know, and she's like, Gabriel, come here. Here's a really good one for you. And I just have this question because the more marriages that I work with in my office, the more I think, really, really? What? So we have these pendulums that some couples are just way out here. And I think it's our, our hope and practice at our practice to get those pendulums swung closer together. So we're going to look at um, we're going to look at some differences, and then we're going to look at some bridges, the way to bring these things together a little bit more. But the first thing we got to understand is that men and women have two totally different dictionaries. All right, we have words that we both use, but they are defined totally different. So I'm going to say a word, and I want you to think about it, men and women, and how you define this word. You don't have to speak up or leave or poke anybody or, you know, anything like that. But let me tell you the first word. The first word is fine, F-I-N-E, fine, pretty simple word. Here's how it plays out. Guys, we're sitting there watching a ball game, flipping. Awesome if you have DVR. It's God's gift to men. And she walks in with a new outfit and breaks the contact between you and the television, of course, because that's our way of communicating. And she says, honey, how does this look? Fine. Now, men, what are you thinking? And women, what are you thinking? Don't answer out loud and don't think back to, you know, right before church or anything like that. But... Fine. To us, guys, the word fine means what? Fine. There's no hidden agenda. You know, there's nothing there that we're hiding or, you know, or going, eh, whatever. But what we have to do, guys, is we have to pick it up a notch, okay? For some guys, we might have to say, very fine, all right? That might work. But for some, you've got to really dig deep and be like, fine, that looks good. 
Now, if you're an advanced um, spouse, you might even change the word to lovely. All right? Now, nothing says you're married until you use the word lovely, men, but you grow into it. It really it, it's not that bad. Now, the next word is nothing. Nothing. This is this one that gets everybody kind of thinking back to this morning. And uh, but guys, you ask your wife, you're like, honey, what's wrong? Nothing. Okay, when you tell us that, that's exactly what we think is going on. Nothing. But to women, most of the time, nothing means something, right? But let me get into this a little bit more. We're driving down the road, and we're in driving mode, okay? Wife looks at us and says, what are you thinking about? Nothing. She's like, really? You've got to be thinking about something. Nope. There's nothing there. Literally, ladies, this can be everything on our mind at one given time. It's another gift that God gave to each one of us that said, I can blank you out for at least the next six hours. And she cannot understand that. Now, nothing means nothing, but for us men, we've got to understand that nothing means something. That's why we always get into that situation where like, where's dinner? Oh, it's in the dog. And we have to, you know, pick up on that and go, oh, I understand now that you're mad at me. Um, Another thing that you ladies respond to at times when it comes to that nothing is you say, if you really knew me, I wouldn't have to tell you. And if I have to tell you, it just won't be special. Well, ladies, don't tell us and see how special it is. So we have these same words with two different meanings or ten different meanings at times. Another difference, and this is not going to be earth-shattering, is that we use different amounts of words, all right? I'm not going to tell you who uses more, all right? You have to figure this one out on your own. But we use different amounts of words, and the reason is women communicate to relate to others. Women communicate to relate to others. Men communicate to relate information. It's pretty basic. Women communicate to relate to others. Men communicate to relate information. And guys, we accomplish this like going on vacation. Point A, point B. Nothing in between. We're thinking about starting and stopping. That's it. That's all we got. It's a pretty simple way to do it. This is how it works for men when we see somebody we know. We're at the fair, walking around. Another couple's coming towards us. Here's what we do. Let me do it again. Walking by. It's the old what's up thing. No words are spoken, but it says, hey, man, what's up? How you doing? How's your family? Good. How's yours? Good. Have a nice night. Don't even have to breathe a word. But for women, they'll stop and they'll talk about, you know, where they got their hair done and talk about the kids and all these types of things that are going on. And and we're like, what just happened? We, can we just keep going here? I got some more guys to see over here. So we use different amounts of words all the time. She wor- uses more words because she experiences on more than one level. 
she experiences facts and emotions. Facts and emotions. Now, in every relationship, there's an expander and there's a contractor. I use these terms because the more couples I see, the more role reversal I'm seeing these days. So it's not just a men and women thing. So you men that I'm talking to about using more words and you're the one who uses more words, don't be offended, all right? It's not that you're not cool or anything like that. It's just that we have kind of done this metamorphosis and and we're using, um, we're kind of swapping roles in a lot of different ways. And some of us experience it on both sides. It's just according to the situation that happens in our homes. Now, who does what? Neither's right or wrong. Just think about who does what. I'm going to ask you three questions about communication. Please don't answer out loud and don't ask your spouse these questions. Ask yourself these questions, okay? First, is communication with your spouse difficult for you? Is communication with your spouse difficult for you? You can ask the same question. Is communication in general difficult for you if you're not in a relationship as a, as a married couple? Does your spouse appear to have difficulty understanding what you mean? Does your spouse seem to have difficulty understanding what you mean? A lot of nodding going on. All right. And how do you think your spouse would describe your ability to communicate? If you asked your spouse, how do you think I communicate? If they roll their eyes or walk off, it gives you kind of a hint as to how that's going. All right. So let's talk about some bridges to bring this chasm that God so wonderfully created for us together. Think about what things to do. So guys, I'm going to talk to you first, all right? The first thing we've got to do is talk more. That scares a lot of you, but I am shocked at the amount of couples who come into my office and she says, you know, he gets home from work and he's just so tired. He just doesn't feel like talking. He solved problems all day for other people. And he just needs to be able to vegetate and, and just kind of wind down. And we just don't talk. I do my thing and he does his thing. And, and we're happy. Oh, really? Why are you in my office? You know, so it just kind of opens the floodgate there. Because we're both dying in the relationship for two different reasons. So, men, we have to talk more. And like our fathers and grandfathers said, you know, I leave work at the office. When I come home, the office stays at the office. And we know that's a crock because the, the work might stay there, but the attitude comes home with us, doesn't it? Give you an example. Several years ago, um, when my office was close to First Baptist, we lived downtown, well, not really downtown, but on College Boulevard, which is only about three minutes away from the church and from my office. So I would be in session all day, and I'd get these voicemails and voicemails and have to return them. And I, it was my goal to return about 10 messages in three minutes. Okay, that was my goal. So I'd get on the phone, try to start returning these. And inevitably, I'd get to the house, and I'd walk in on the phone, cell phone in hand. Now, my kids were younger at this time. This was back when they wanted to see me when I got home. And they, they would come up. It was like piranhas, you know, and they would come up to me, and I'd be fighting them off, trying to talk. And I'd at least, would you get the kids on drunk talk? I get mad, you know, and, and she would get the kids, kind of scurry them away, and I'd finish my conversation walking around. And this went on for a little while. And Lisa would tell me, please, would you please try not to be on the phone when you come in? I'd say, yeah, I'll try. And I'd come in on the phone again. And that went on for a little while until one day I come in on the phone, come in the door, the kids are all over me, and I'm like, would you get the kids off? I'm trying to talk on the phone. And 
She looks at me, and she, this is how she was. She was in the kitchen. She was doing something on the counter, and I was right over here, and she looks at me, and she turns around, and she walks the other way. Oh, gosh. Talk about communication. Oh, I was livid. Oh, I was so angry. So I uh, finished the conversation, you know, kicking kids and trying to get all this stuff done. And later that night, we sit down, and she says, uh, we need to talk. We love to hear that, don't we, guys? I'm like, please, Jesus, come back now. (laughs) Now. One, two, three, now. Obviously, he didn't. And uh, she said, I'm really tired of you coming in on the phone. I said, I know I'm trying to do better. No, you're not. You're not trying to do better. She said, we need you 100% here when you get home, not half an ear and paying attention to something else. We need you all here. She said, I'd rather you ride around for an hour after you leave your office and do whatever you need to do and come in without that phone. I was like, oh, you're right. Yes, ma'am. But I felt more like just a fool who was not listening. And she was communicating very effectively because my wife communicates better than I do and I teach it every day. So she puts me in my place and lets me know you need to practice what you preach. So another thing is we need to share some facts. Ladies want to know about our day. Talk a little bit more and tell them about it, okay? The other thing, talk more, we got to listen more, all right? This is the one that always gets us kind of in turmoil, all right? Guys, let me give you another word of advice. You don't have to use your mouth to listen, Okay, we have one of these and two of these. Just kind of an irony, isn't it? I told that to my middle child the other day, and she said, but wouldn't it be cool if we had two mouths that we could eat and talk at the same time? I was like, you do that anyway. Why don't we have to have two mouths? And uh, I said it would sound just the same. But we have to actually turn the TV down or off, men, to communicate with our wives. You know, it's it's. It's pretty frustrating, I think, to our wives when we talk to them like this. Uh-huh. 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 It's kind of obvious we're really not paying attention to them. So turn the TV off. Lay the paper down instead of hiding behind it. Um, show some interest that makes her feel like you want to communicate. Another key is this. We're sitting here with our wives heads right here, and we're doing this. Let me show you a little subtle thing that works. Everybody see that? I'll slow it down. (laughs) We actually look at her. And sometimes we're real uncomfortable with that, so you might need to find a spot like behind their head on the wall if you can't really make eye contact, if you feel like you're going to explode if you do that. Um, But let her know you want to communicate with her. And... um, It'll be more comfortable. She didn't marry you for three to four hours. She married all of you. But I think another irony is that our relationship with our spouse and with people we care for deeply looks a lot like our relationship with God. We spend about two, three, four hours with each of them in an intimate way each week. So they look a lot alike. And I think if one changes, the other has to change. All right, women. Here we go. Number one, dump the details. All right, not trying to step on any toes here, but 
we don't do real well with details, you know, unless you're married to a CPA or an architect. But even them, when it comes to talking, it just, you know, we just kind of zone out. So you got to, an example of this is, you know, you're going out to eat. Wife comes home and she says, um, we're going to go out to eat with the Joneses this week. We're going to be meeting at El Sombrero at 6 o'clock on Friday. And, you know, I was thinking about, you know, those gray pants that I have? I wore a couple of weeks ago and they're kind of fitting a little tight. But now I feel like I can really get in them and I think they really look good. Do you think that would look good on me? And also, you know, she has been having that problem with her hearing. So make sure when you're talking that she can hear you. And blah, 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 blah. That's what we begin to hear. Ladies, when the fog begins to descend over our eyes, that's a clue that maybe we're not listening anymore. And this doesn't have anything to do with how much we love you. I promise you that. It just has to do with the way God made us. Blame God on this one, all right? We do not have the capacity for a lot of words. We just need time, place, and maybe what to wear, but it really is not going to make a difference in that category, okay? You can give it a shot, but we're still going to come to church like this, you know, shirt untucked. I used to tuck my shirt in, but now things show through it. So I just untuck it and try to look hip. <laughs> has nothing to do with being cool. It has everything to do with being embarrassed. All right. So the second part of this, women, is express your expectations. Men are designed overall to be problem solvers. We like to fix things. Okay. So when you come to us and you open your mouth, we immediately go into spreadsheet, hammer and nail mode, and we are ready to solve your problems. And we got it. We can handle it. You begin to talk. You're like, well, why don't you try this? Well, dude, let me, t- let me tell you what I did today. Let me tell you what happened to me today. And, and th- this is what I did. And I went here and here and here and here. And we had all, and she's sitting there going, you idiot. <laughs> You're not listening to me at all. I'm sure nobody uses the word idiot in here, but my wife doesn't either, but I can tell when she has your idiot looks. You know, she doesn't have to actually finish the sentence, but it always ends with, ooh, idiot, you know. Um, so when we express our expectations, ladies, tell us if it's a fixing or feeling conversation. If it's a fixing one, we are right on target. If it's a feeling one, we... We need some practice, all right? So give, us some, give some patience to us because we cannot comprehend the fact that you just want us to sit there and listen. Really? You want me to say anything? Nope. I just need to kind of talk this out. Really? You just want to talk it out? Yep. I just need to talk this out and then I'll, I'll be okay. Really? We can't comprehend that. And we certainly can't do both at the same time. So express your expectations before you begin the conversation. Now, guys, I know you're squirming and wigging out. But let me give you a couple of things that I want you to to think about. When she comes to you and says, this is a feeling conversation. I just need you to listen to me. Don't tell her to call her mother, all right? Or friend or, you know, all of a sudden have an attack of IBS, have to run to the bathroom or something like that. You're like, oh, I got to go. Uh, somebody's calling me in Alaska and run out of the house, okay? So go ahead and listen. I already talked about it. Look at her. Look at her. Look more than you listen. You know, respond on a tracking level. It's, we use it in counseling all the time. But you don't have to be clinical. Don't solve any problems. Just 
Let her know you're there. No answer or fix. Talk non-verbally. Reach over and hold her hand. As we're walking out the back in a minute. Tell her you're with her, okay? So think about the things that you need to work on with these bridges of of these things between men and women. But think about this. She married you not to fix her life for her, but to face life with her. She married you not to fix life for her, but to face life with her. Now, there's some basic differences in the way that our brains are made, all right? First, for guys, our brains are like a hotel fire escape plan, okay? The aerial view of a hotel. Fortunately, we have to have, happen to have a picture of that, okay? So think about this. All the rooms are side by side, but none of them are connected. You must exit a room to go in another room. The walls are soundproof. The furniture does not get moved around. This is the way God made us. Again, this is a real gift, all right? So I'm sitting in my TV watching room, focused on whatever. It doesn't really matter what it is. I'm in the TV watching room. And Lisa says, honey, do you hear Jordan asking you a question? What? What? Oh, I didn't even know I had kids right now. I'm in the TV watching room. (laughs) They can be swinging from the chandeliers, breaking stuff and carrying on. And Lisa's like, what what is the deal? TV watching room. She's like, oh, yeah, sorry. Thought about your disability there for a minute. And, uh... I think it's a gift. She thinks it's a disability. All right? So that's the way the guy's mind is designed. For women, it's more like a ball of yarn. All right? Sometimes it looks like the cat has had it, but it is a ball of yarn. And for this, it's this reason, because everything is connected. Everything is connected. All right? One thing after the other. Um, it goes sort of like this, especially for the newlyweds. Walk in, she's looking hot. She's cooking. Walk up behind her, look over in that pot. Like, God, that fish looks good, baby. That's not fish. It's chicken. I knew I wouldn't be able to cook like your mom. You hate me. And my butt's too big. Everything is connected. It just goes on and on and on. I'm like, well, how do we get from fish to behinds, you know? <laughs> Everything is tied together. Now, this is, this is helpful in some ways and, and not so helpful in other ways. At, at chore time, oh, my goodness, you can tell the difference in here. For us guys, we're like, oh, we got to go. Let's go get this. I got to. Go put this away. Go put this in this room. Oh, yeah, I got to go back and get this and go get this, go in this other room. But it's one room at a time, one thing at a time. For women, it's like the Tasmanian devil. She can go through and scoop up 15 different items in 15 different locations and get them all put back. And it's, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. The other one that, that kind of breaks it down for us is when we barbecue. All right, guys, we, we love some barbecue, right? We get our meat and our fire, and that's really all we need. 
okay? Something to poke it with. So we put it on there, and every now and then we raise it up, look at it, close it back down, and sit down in our chair. Get back up, raise it up, poke it, turn it over, sit back down in our chair. Then we get up, like, oh, it's done. Honey, will you bring me something to put this meat on? Because we didn't think through bringing a plate outside. Why don't we possibly need a plate to bring the meat in? But we always do that. And our wives can get in there, and she can cook like a 10-course meal, and everything is done at the same time. How does she do that? She can time it where everything's hot. If I did that, we'd be microwaving everything all afternoon just to catch up with what cooled off first because we can't do all that at one time. Now, this is really helpful when it comes to traumatic events, all right? For the most part, in the majority, men occupy the, the area of emergency response more than women. But there's a lot of, again, a lot of crossover in that, a lot of role reversal. A lot of women do excellent jobs in, in that market. But all in all, men do that more than women. Well, one day a couple years ago, Jordan, he loves to ride on my back or my shoulders to bed. He was five at the time. And this night, he decided to put his feet in my pockets, all right? So he puts his feet in my pockets, and we're bebopping up the stairs. And I used to do this with my dad. It was really cool. When we would go fishing on the, on the coast, we lived on St. Simon's, and, and I'd stand in his pockets, and he'd cast, and I'd stand, you know, stand back there and just have a good time. I don't know how he did it that long. I can't hardly get up the steps with Jordan anymore without losing my breath, but that's why I leave my t- shirt untucked. But anyway, so we get up there in his doorway, We're standing in the doorway, and he decides to just stand up and let go of me. Now, there are a lot of moments in life where you have quick decisions to make, all right? And I was thinking, he stood up, and I know he's falling backwards. If I spin around, he's going to sling himself into, well, I'm going to sling him into the door frame because he's hung in my my pockets. If I run straight ahead, I, I might can keep him flapping like a tail, but I didn't have enough space, and my zero to 60 isn't quite as good as it used to be. So all I could think to do was just stand there and panic, and that's what I did. So I stood there, and then I just heard, wham, and I turned around, and this is the look he had on the ground. Eyes had rolled back in his head, and he was gone, and I'm like, Oh, my gosh. So I leaned down in trauma. The first thing I'm thinking is, I hope Lisa didn't hear that. And then I hear her coming up the steps, and I'm like, gosh, wake up, wake up, wake up. Because I'm not really in trauma room right now. I'm in, you're in trouble room. And because this is my fault. And I'm like, come on, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. You're breathing, you're breathing. And, and finally he starts to cry, and which is a good sign when you're, you know, the option is death or crying, and crying is good. And Lisa comes around the corner, and she's just, like, spinning it, it, like a ball of yarn. And it, she's like, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? Is he okay? Is he, is he going to? She's just going, I said, he's, I think he's fine. He's breathing and crying. And we get him up on the bed and, and called, you know, people who help us in those situations, like good friends who are responsible for EMS. We never call the ambulance. We call the EMS director and say, uh, Lee, what do we need to do here? He goes, well, give him all the symptoms. But he turned out to be okay. He, kinda, he runs into things now after that. But still, he's, I think he's all right. Um, he kind of pulls to the left from time to time. But I don't think it had to do with that. Uh, um, but we handle those situations in two totally different ways. Another way that this comes 
in handy is in our relocation. If you've ever moved as a couple, this is an interesting thing that happens. We get in, and most women have this desire to nest, okay? I think Susan probably went through that in the last couple of months, just getting ready for a baby to come. We have this nesting instinct, and our wives do this. And, and, but, guys, we can come home from our work after we've moved in and step over the boxes, you know, like, oh, what's on TV? I'm walking around this. And she's saying, would you please put some of this in the attic? Yeah, I will. I can't see that dot behind your head. Yeah, and that's, you know, we're not even paying attention because it doesn't bother us. But for us men, we need everything to be right at work. We need everything to be in its place, be in control of that, because we get validation from our work. That's where we receive validation and encouragement is in the work that we do because we're fixers. It's just what we do. But you can see that as things don't go right at home, we go to the extremes. Guys, we stay at work a little bit longer. I got, I got a couple meetings tonight. I'm going to be a little bit late tonight. And we keep growing further and further and further apart. He must not want us to, to feel at home. He's not interested. Her entire world begins to go gray when she's asked you to help her nest and you don't do it. And also, we're, you know, thinking about Christmas and where I've said, we need to really plan to see where we're going to be at Christmas. We're like, it's, it's May. Why do we need to worry about that right now, you know? We're worried about Christmas on maybe the 24th or 3rd, maybe, but we don't think in those ways. Um, and then as those things continue to grow, we stay away from each other a little bit more. What I want to wrap up with is talking about the power of words, the power of words, and I give you some scriptures that go along with that and um, how words can and do hurt people. The old sticks and stones thing is another lie that we've been taught through the years. Words can help or harm a partner. Heal or wound, build up or break down. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29 says, Do not use harmful words, but only helpful words, the kind that build up and provide what is needed, so that what you say will do good to those who hear you. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can help your partner experience life by using the right words. So build his or her self-esteem, or you can be responsible for causing death in your partner to the extent that he or she feels utterly worthless and withdraws into a shell. I'm shocked in my office at times at the name-calling that we do. We don't change at all from adolescence. For those of you who are still teenagers, start trying to work on it now. Because as we become adults, we still call names, we still slam doors, we raise our voice. And some, you know, families were raised that we do yell. And we think that if we weren't heard, maybe we need to speak up. And then it just gets louder and louder and louder. So think about that. Job 19.2 says, How long are you going to trouble me and try to break me with your words? Think before you speak. Husbands and wives should not just blurt out whatever they are thinking or feeling. I have some, I just want to have the freedom to say what I need to say. You don't do that at work. You don't do that in Walmart. Well, you might in Walmart. But with the people we care about the most seems to be the biggest breakdown in communication. 
because we make assumptions, we translate, and we interpret what's going on rather than listening to what's happening. Proverbs 29, 20. Do you see a man who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for him. The Christian partner is able through the grace of God and the strength of the Holy Spirit to choose words in a kind and suitable way for a time and a purpose. For if you want a happy, good life, keep control of your tongue and guard your lips. And the last thing I want to tell you about is timing. Timing is everything. Ladies, if we're in the TV watching room, it's just not the time. If the house is burning down, it might be, but that's still a stretch. Now, that doesn't give us men the reason to ignore and use it as an excuse. We have to meet in the middle there. So schedule times to be able to communicate. I had a couple a long time ago who said to me, what we do is we take two chairs from a room that we, that we seldom use, and we take those two chairs and we put them in front of a doorway that we use most often. And we call it knee-to-knee conversations. And they sit knee-to-knee, hand-in-hand, and they have these communication times. And the guys are like, good grief, this is going to kill us. And uh, it's really going to cut into some football, all right, unless you have a DVR. So they say they do this because they want to not solve all their problems, but at least get into a time of communication before they enter into the world where they've got a plan to try to accomplish some things. And their kids, of course, said they hadn't been outside in 10 years because of this, but I like the illustration. So let love be your guide as to where and when you share bad news or discuss a difficult subject with your partner. Sharing bad news with your partner first thing in the morning when he or she wakes up kind of puts a damper on the day. Speaking the right words at the right time will enhance dialogue between you and your spouse. Proverbs 25, 11 says, Timely advice is as lovely as golden apples in a silver basket. And Proverbs 15, 23 says, How wonderful it is to say the right thing at the right time. The song that we sang during our praise time, Oh, praise the one who paid my debts and raised this relationship up from the dead. Oh, praise the one who paid my debts and raised this relationship up from the dead. Let's pray.